The carousel is in full motion and a familiar face joins the fray once again. You don't want to miss this week's jam-packed episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 244 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. And this is the episode where we go through other people's Indeed pages and their LinkedIn pages, too. What you doing, Will? We already know Ryan doesn't like it. He said as much. So he needs to know where you're at. So that way you can just show up at your place of work. I demand to know. He demands. Right. He's like the Stones. He demands satisfaction and he can't get no. That's personal. Yeah, yes it is. And Addison Reed has a sixth war for those keeping track at home. That's completely unrelated to anything else we've discussed, but I just want you to know that. Yeah, people know. So in this week, did we have anything that actually happened, or is this just another one of those boring off-season weeks? Dude, what an off-season this has been. Hot start, man. Very. It's It's been a banger so far. Coaching carousel, full swing. Got uh, lots of ownership drama. We got I don't know, man. It's like a random news and rumors all over the place. It's been it's been fun. Yeah, it's honestly been really fun. There's stuff to talk about, and even stuff that we didn't know about. That's even happening too, which makes it even better. Are you leading me into something? Possibly, we could be doing that, or I could just say, let's just talk about the thing we found out about that involves Bill Murray, who is not an owner of the Brockton Rock, but is the owner of the Joliet Slammers now. Yeah, man. Really hoping it's more of a Ghostbusters thing and less of a Garfield too, but we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, Joliet got sold. Uh, Nick Semeca, who was the majority owner, he's going to remain a minority owner. He's going to have 25%, but a ownership group of Mike Vec, Night Trained Vec, who is, that's technically his middle name, which for a hot second, I thought, like, is this that kid's, like, government name? Like, is that on all his official documents and stuff? Because that's kind of a rough scene, but, like, whatever. And then Bill Murray. Is also part of that ownership group. They're now going to take control of Joliet Slammers. It feels like it's a very family-focused venture from Beck, both in what he's going to try to present as part of the uh, experience at the ballpark, but also it seems like he really wanted to have one last go at it with Indie Ball, one last go of it with his son especially. So that seems to be a large chunk here. I will say as far as staffing goes, it looks like Heather Mills is going to stay on it as GM. There seems to be a bit of a uh, personal friendship between her and and night train sale was approved on tuesday so this past tuesday meaning the seventh um yeah so that's the situation that's setting the scene for the joliet slammers which admittedly is a team we haven't really talked about all that much on the show in the past five years but uh now they're gonna get some uh some talking time so with that scene set i'm gonna turn it over to mr clacky i mean i i hate to be that guy i don't have a ton to say about it it's a good it's a good thing i mean that is a good ownership group that's an ownership group that you know you hope would be the type of ownership that you know enters indie ball it's one of the things where we don't have a lot to say about it because it's just a good thing it made me smile to hear that's happening um it, yeah it's good to see the the vec family story continue it's good to see murray and his ownership journey continue so um yeah man Sorry if that's not really a take. It's just that, yeah, this is a good thing. I'm happy about it. I'm happy to see this happen happening for uh, for Juliet. 
Yeah, no, it obviously one of the most experienced ownership groups. It's not just experienced in the sense of, although they've owned teams before, this is experienced in the sense of this is a group that has had a lot of success. I mean, I think it's fairly safe to say that the St. Paul Saints are one of the best known independent teams of all time. And Vex moved on from them. So that's obviously part of it. But even still, he's had success in just about every venture he's had. That militia night thing, maybe not great. He joked about that at the uh, city council meeting too. So, you know, it'd be kind of funny if he held a disco night. That'd be kind of funny. It's like, uh, my bad, didn't mean to do that, you know, 50 years ago. A disco appreciation night. Oh my God, that'd be great. <laughs> Go ahead, bring in like an Earth, Wind and Fire tribute act. Mm-hmm. That's I vibe it. Yeah, I feel like you could definitely vibe with this. And the Slammers, like their branding and logo could definitely play to that. Oh yeah, I agree. So, like, there's a lot that you could do with that. Any event, I do think it's phenomenal in that sense. Overall, I just really like that ownership group. I do wonder. This is a group that is very familiar with the American Association. They were there for a lot of years. The way they left the American Association may be an issue. Not that there was a problem per se, but when you're the most valuable franchise there, and you're the franchise that's given them the most, you know media recognition to then have to replace them on relatively short notice and like yeah they did get king county but let's be real that's not an even trade so Mm -hmm. you know i do wonder if there's some bad blood there if there's any hurt feelings there but ultimately in the end i feel like it wins out to where if they wanted to go to the american association that is something that is a viable option. It may just take a little bit of time for that to, you know, smooth over. But at the end of the day, if you could deal with someone that you know has a successful tracker that knows your league and could be a very big positive to you, especially with a media conscious league like the American Association, if you could bring in Mike Beck and keep him in the fold, overall, I feel like that's the positive decision and something that you have to at the very least explore regardless of your feelings on it. Now, it's going to be more than just whatever Josh Schaub feels about the situation. It's going to be what are the other owners in the club feel like? You know, are they hurt by it? Do they kind of forgive what happened? Do they hold any ill will? Which, quite frankly, why, yeah, I kind of get it. Let's be real. Any of them probably would would have taken the same offer if given to them. You know, that's a... Mm -hmm. I agree. Financially, makes the most sense. It takes... A special group to not take that offer so i don't really think they have much ground to stand on to hold that grudge still that said it could definitely be something to overcome but i think that's an interesting route to look at and i also think about it. you know st paul went affiliated in what just after the pandemic yeah and i'm curious to see what some of those sort of creative minds in this mix do with an organization now that we have seen what we have seen from the Savannah Bananas. You know, now that, um, and I'm not talking like on the base side, I'm not saying let's get wild with them. I'm saying like, you know, when it comes to people who are specializing out of the box and exciting promotion, and then, I mean, the Savannah Bananas are, are the gold standard at this point and seeing how far they've been able to take things and creative and out of the box and whether it's, you know, oh, we can, we can do stuff like that or it's just saying like, 
all right, they're all the way out there, which kind of has stretched our border for what we can do without people really questioning it and giving us an attitude about it. So, and I think just in general too, a lot of the, the branding and marketing has even stretched a little more outside of what, you know, would be considered normal or, um, or safe, I guess. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's an environment that, you know, this group is likely to thrive in if they choose to embrace that. Yeah, I definitely could see that as well. The that's the weird thing too. I really feel like post pandemic, you've really seen a lot more acceptance of kind of crazier and out there ideas, especially in marketing. I feel like mm-hmm. the the for whatever reason it feels like the floodgates have opened up to be more accepting of kind of like go for it ideas. Yeah, no, I think so, and I think it's because we're seeing that they can work. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I would say that, and I think. Um, is it also it, part of that is the advent and the, the real prominence of social media as well, where, you know, maybe you have a small little market, which does present the unique opportunity to really play to that. Mm-hmm. But also if you have a big idea that could, you know, could work on a big scale, but maybe doesn't play to the day-to-day clientele as much, you can reach beyond the social media tens. I mean, how often do we see, you know, specialty jerseys or like giveaways circulating through Twitter because, you know, yeah. we never would have seen or heard about that stuff for the most part, unless we're in the industry, um, you know, just a few years ago. And now it's just, there's accounts that just promote that stuff and show it off and talk about it. So yeah, I, I part of that's definitely just, I think the, the culture of things when it comes to media and how we all can spread the word on things. I also kind of wonder too, if it's just, given the financial positioning of a lot of teams coming out of COVID, you're in a position where you got to make the most with as little as you have. So if you got to go and take a risk and do something that's kind of 50-50 ball, but it could pay off large and you could really get that bang for your mm-hmm. buck. If it's now, okay, economically, we're incentivized to do that more as opposed to playing it safe and doing the same old, same old that we know mm-hmm. reliably work because we have to try and get people back in there and prove the worth of, of their dollar at our ballpark and try to get those new people in. So, Hey, if this is a way to expand that net, like you said, outside of that initial market to try and draw in, you know, maybe people that otherwise would have said, nah, we're not going to do that. Even if they're halfway across the country, they'll be like, Ooh, that's cool. Let me get a shirt or a hat or something from there. Just from seeing the clip. Or if it's just people in that general surrounding area going, Oh, well that was really fun. That was really cool. Let me go to, so that way next time they do something like that, I can say I was there. Yeah. Uh, I think you nailed that. Um, and again, it just goes to now that you have access to all these people, what are you going to do to get their attention and keep it? Absolutely. And we're talking about some people who are very good at doing that historically. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like all their different things just work so well. And I'm just very, because already Joliet was doing strong attendance wise. If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. they were, hold on, let me pull it up real quick so that way I have the right number. But I think they were doing around 3,000 a game. So that's pretty good. Even if you want to say, all right, they gerrymandered that attendance. You know, it's still fine. Got the numbers up right now. Joliet. E- okay, I was off. Uh, 22.53 per game, which even right, still okay. is, let's see, what? One, two, three, four. I have them at fifth in the league last year for attendance. Uh checking that so i did that's one thing i did not have in front of me about right for them yeah i got schaumburg uh, ahead of them quebec ahead of them new york ahead of them 
and Tri-City ahead of him. Okay, yeah, that all checks out. I am yeah. yeah, just got there. There's so much crap in front of me. None of it was what we talked about right off the bat. That's perfect work from us. Exactly. See, we're always on the same page. We got good synergy. <laughs> yeah. uh, my mom be so proud. <laughs> Any case, we have any other points here? Any sort of craziness that we'll expect out of Joliet? Uh, I don't think so. Definitely something to watch, though. Give us something to look forward to for this year. Uh, not that we didn't have anything, but a little something extra. True. And I also think uh, if you're interested in working in baseball, keep an eye on teamwork because you may see some Joliet openings soon. Yes. Exactly right. And let's be real. Being a Mike Beck front office, while it could be crazy, could also be very good for your career. Mm-hmm. Exactly so, right. That's something to keep in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. That brings us to the next point, and then I think really the final point for a little while on the Frontier League, which is they're making some changes to their budget rules. This is where mm-hmm. you come in. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, so... About uh, a couple weeks ago, I started hearing a little bit about this, that uh, it seemed like there was some budget talk going on uh, regarding player salary in the Frontier League. Um, my immediate thought was that they would maybe be loosening the budget structure up a little bit more uh, because, I mean, I think they had an opportunity to gain on the American Association a little bit if they would so choose. Uh, in the end, it looks like they did not so choose. Um, what I'm hearing is they have reduced the uh team budget or salary cap for the league. Um, this is a weird one where I don't have a hard number on what it was. I think it was about 150000 for the whole season um, okay. last year. Uh, what I'm hearing now is it's about 133000 now. Um, for context, uh, just what's going on at the top end, the Atlantic League is, um, they do it monthly, not by season, but they're sitting for a season at about 250000 so uh, that means almost, I mean, they're, they're at a point now where they're almost double what the Frontier League is doing salary-wise and uh, payroll-wise, which is unfortunate. I mean, yeah. you're still going to get a lot of good ball players in the Frontier. It's just you're going to lose, um, you know, you're going to see more filler guys on the back end of rosters rather than like real good, you know, players who are going to put together competitive ABs and uh, hit the strikes in a while on the mound. So, that's going to hurt, especially going to hurt down the stretch for certain teams. Um, other ones that, you know, maybe have a more consistent pipeline and players that are more, you know, view playing for them more as an opportunity than as, uh, you know, what they've been relegated to, they'll do fine from this. But it's going to be something to keep my own. i personally a little disappointed in it. Um, also, you know, they never talk about that, that kind of thing out loud. So it's, it's not surprising the Frontier League didn't publicize anything about it. But even... You know, internally within the industry, is pretty quiet, and that always makes me sort of side eye. Yeah, what's going on there. Um, yeah, part of this could be also. I mean, the Western Division trying to pull the Eastern Division in a little bit closer after the sort of lopsided year we just watched. Um, I mean, it's really been lopsided other, I mean, for a couple of years. We want to get down to it since yeah, the merger. Right. You know, it's true. It's just because the Can Am was yeah. different roster wise than uh, than the Frontier really was. So, you know, they made the concessions, and clearly it was. You know, like a very uneven structure, and I, I'm going to speculate on it, but I feel like a lot of the more traditional frontier teams, they were like, oh, it'll even out in the wash. You know, the older guys will wash out on their side, and they won't be able to fill in. And you know, when they have to cut some guys, we'll be able to bring them in on our side, and that never really happened. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> this is the next best way of like, okay. We were willing to play ball for a little while, and now here we are three years later. 
we're done trying to make compromises. We're going to start like, okay, we're doing it this way. Yeah, I think there's that's pretty likely. Um, yeah, I, I think we can all suspect certain certain owners who probably were talking about money a little bit more than others, um, whether it's because they have a mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whether it's because uh, whether they're averaging less than a thousand per game or Yeah, right. Might be. And now all of a sudden I think they're like acting president of the league, which is interesting that now things are getting cheaper, funny. But yeah, I wonder um, that is. Hey man, we'll talk more on that organization getting cheap in a little bit. Yeah. Stay right there, Jersey fans. Um but what about the minor uh, fans? Whatever. Surely they can revel in this too. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I don't have a good handle on the inner workings of that front office, but I just know things seem, things are, all I know is they're at least playing an actual baseball stadium that isn't borrowed from the local high school. So, Sussex, feel good about it. Hey. Anyway, hey. try not to be negative. Try not to be overly negative on something where I am feeling pretty negative about it because I don't think it's good for the league or the players or anybody, frankly, um, except I guess owners, but even this, even this goes back to a bigger thing, which we've talked about many times before, which is the, the worst thing going for leagues right now is owners who are deciding to make short-sighted rules in the name of short-term profit and not realizing the long-term or maybe not caring about the long-term impact and the long-term effects they could have. I would say this year, the Atlantic League's quality of play was probably it felt like it was a bit up. Uh, I, I do think it maybe put some space between them and the American Association for the first time in a while. Um, but the thing I noticed most was the Atlantic League's reputation starting to falter, mm. uh, despite what was going on in the field. And uh, I think a lot of that is because of the decisions that were being made to, you know, increase the the profit margins short term and what that's done, ignoring the long-term impact. And now that's all starting to come around and hit the fan a little bit. And people are like, yeah, this is not a great product anymore as a league. Mm. And we're starting to maybe start to see that. So I would caution all leagues and owners against that. I know it's very tempting to do the things to make the dollar right. Stop and think about, is this going the way you want it to go? Or is it just doing something for like a momentary success. That's all. That's all. That you need to ask. Yeah. I, it, but the problem I think too is, and I'm sending you a thing here because this is the first thing that came to my mind when, uh, when you're saying like short term decisions <laughs> for short term. <laughs> that's what yeah, immediately came tough. to my mind, which was the one clip from the wire where we used to build shit in this country, make shit. And it feels like that. It's kind of like that now where nobody wants to build anything. You want to make your money while you can make it and get out. And I know it's always kind of been that way, but it feels like there used to be like, especially in the beginning of the whole indie ball thing, nobody here thought they were going to make that much money on this. I mean, like, let's be real for a minute. Like, you thought maybe you were going to make some money, but it was more or less like, uh, hey, this is a cool play thing I could have. I could always, always want to own a baseball team. Why not? And like, you were doing that. And now it's more like, well, let's see if I can't parlay this into some money. Or in the case of some teams, let me see if I can't use this as my placeholder for now. And then when MLB expands, maybe I could shoot back in and be affiliated again. So 
feel like that's part of it. But I also wonder, because he did say across the industry, it was kind of quiet about this. I wonder if that's a sign that the Frontier League's just ahead of the trend on it. That others are planning on doing the same thing. Because if you're planning on doing the same exact thing, you're probably not going to shit talk the guy that just did it. Because it's going to look awfully bad on you if you're planning on cutting down your team budgets right after you started shit-talking the guy that did it. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I think... uh, I'm trying to find the right words on that. I think the Atlantic League has always seems to be flirting with that kind of thought process. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like the American Association currently has a bit of a focus on being competitive and playing competitive ball. They do so seem to have that prestige-driven thing where they want to be number yeah. one. They they feel like they should be. And the thing is, too, I don't know how much that's, if that is the league wants that and how much it is Josh Schaub is like, this is our best path forward is to do this. So we're going to do yeah. this. Because he's a very forward-thinking guy. Mm-hmm. I agree. So. Yeah, and, and I don't really know. It, it's interesting. The entire thing <laughs> is interesting. but Very. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to find the right words on it. it I I'm, I don't want to keep just saying it's frustrating and disappointing, but it's frustrating and disappointing. Yeah. Um, and look, it's easier for me to say I'm not the one cutting the checks. But it, you you said like people aren't getting into this being like, oh, we're going to make some money. But like I've been saying for a long time, and I firmly believe it, this is one of the best times to get into any ball if you know what the hell you're doing. Because there's a unique opportunity presented by it. There's a, you, more and more unique ways to actually connect to the community and make sure people know you're there and not just, you know, hoping that people drive by the ballpark, go home with that, or see your newspaper ad. Um, there's more ways to advertise the talent that you have, explain who you are as an indie ball team, um, do crazy things and show people the crazy things you're doing, like on and off the field and how that separates you from the other teams that people can spend hard-earned money to go see and demonstrate how you're a value add. And instead, we are just doing everything but. We're cutting player budget or player cap, and we are uh, having people pay 30 bucks in a month for flow sports, and it's just... It's... Dude, did you see the flow sports ad or article the other day? No, do I even want to? Uh, if I find it, I'll send it to you. But basically, oh, it was uh, what? How many indie ball leagues are there? And it, it lists all three of the Flow Sports leagues as the top leagues, and then immediately undergoes the other ones, and the American Association's first in that. And it's like Jesus. we're fronting the Pioneer League above the American Association there. Okay, yeah, brother. No oh, yeah, no it came offense, out today. It just came out today. That's why, because I saw it when I was doing notes. Hold on, here we go. That's a joke. I wouldn't be surprised to see the American Association get chippy over that one. Oh, yeah, see, like, it goes, like, where are some of the top ones? Yeah, where are some of the top independent leagues? They go ahead and they go Atlantic League, Frontier League, Pioneer League, other leagues, American Association, Empire League, Jeez. Pecos League, Mavericks League, United Shore League. I'm just saying. I'm just oh, saying. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Easy there, Flo. Exactly. Easy there. Like, I understand you Come don't have a financial now. incentive to group them with there. But, um. <laughs> but at a certain point, you're just. 
I mean, at least be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I'm saying so many things. I'm, I'm avoiding saying so many things about flow sports. Yeah. So I cannot start that right now. But <laughs> you got enough going yeah. on. But I will say this much. I'll give flow this much. They do mention that four of the leagues, American Association, Atlantic Frontier, and Pioneer, are designated as MLB partner leagues. But, like, you do kind of undercut it when that's just, like, the non-bolded text. When you bold mm, text and make it a head, like, you'll see when, if you click on the article. It's not hard to find. Go to mm-hmm. baseball.tv articles and you'll find it quick. But, <laughs> I don't know. It feels very intentional the way they did it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, no part of me thinks it's not fully intentional and they are just like, oh, I didn't, we misunderstood how things work. Like, you know. But uh, the problem is I don't even remember where we were before that flow sports conversation. I know we were talking budget and I know we were talking like general outlook financially and there was money to be made if you did it right. But uh, so that's where we're at. There's a whole detour in there that uh, y'all will not hear. But it definitely (laughs) sent me for a loop. I have no idea how you're going to edit that one through. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, there's just like a giant detour in there that sent me for a complete loop. And normally I'm decent about giving myself some sort of on-ramp to get back from these tangents. because, And I shit y'all not. I normally cut about 40-plus minutes of every show. So, like, when you see a two-hour-long show, rest assured, it was three hours or more. So, Ladies and gentlemen, we are terrible at this. Yeah. Yeah, any case, I normally do a good job giving myself on-ramps and stuff, but uh, I don't even really know where to start here. So, Now you're screwed. Frontier budget rules. Um, Yeah. That's what they were. That's what it is. Could it be (laughs) industry-shifting? Possibly. Will it be? Who knows? It all depends on if leagues decide to really like shoot for the stars or shoot for the short term profits. So I think that's probably the best on ramp I can give myself. And on that note, we actually have baseball related activity to talk about because Kansas City's hosting an all star game in the American Association. And it's going to be. From the 22nd to 23rd, I believe they're also off on the 24th for what that's worth. Um, it's the week after the Frontier League one, keeping that in mind. Uh, day one, going to be a home run derby and a celebrity softball game. Day two, there is the Hall of Fame luncheon and the All-Star game itself. Uh, West team is going to be managed by Joe Cafapietro, obviously, being that he's the home manager and also the team that won the championship last year. East manager is going to be Butch Hobson, Chicago Dogs team that was defeated in the finals. So that's that. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I feel like Casey is as likely as anybody to do a good job with an All Star game. Yeah, uh, we've talked in the past about how difficult it is to do an All Star game right and how difficult it is to make money off of it. Um, I saw somebody did tweet the idea of like, why don't you put it in a potential like expansion market? Um, part of me loved the idea. Part of me also hated the idea just because they can't sell tickets in a market they already are in for an all-star game. It's going to be harder to sell somewhere else. So mm-hmm. yeah, all-star game I think is good for the league. It's a, it's an interesting mix. It's good for the league. It's good for the players. It's just still very often 
so hard to sell. I feel like at least two out of three All-Star games, maybe even more than that, just don't deliver um, when it comes to like the ticket sales on it. And it sucks because it also kills the energy and should be an exciting thing. So um, I don't know what the solution is there. I'll be interested to see what Kansas City's version of a solution is. I'm always interested to see how teams try to solve that problem. But, you know, I hope it's a good vibe. I hope it's a guarantee. Players deserve that. Yeah. So the fans or the teams, it's, you know, it's a good thing. And I like Kansas City also being rewarded for the hard work they put in in the last few years. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I overall really like, I think, the destination's good. And I second mm-hmm. everything you said there. But, like, I don't really know how you get the attendance up more outside of being in a market that really wants to be there. Like, this year feels like we're doing pretty good for all-star games. KC's going to probably show out fairly well. Quebec will show out very well. Um, that's mm-hmm. pretty much a guarantee at this point. So, you know, that helps. But like you said, you can't really put in a market you're not in, especially because you have no real in-ground effort. And I understand why people say that, because it would work if it's like MLB or NHL or NBA or something like that that already has like decades of in-ground built-up work and is, quite frankly, a larger consumer base. Obviously, that will work there. But we're dealing with essentially small businesses all together in a coalition. Mm-hmm. That's not really, you know, drawing a lot of people there. I mean, add up the total attendance from the league and assuming a lot of those are repeats as well, knock off about 20%. And that's probably what your overall consumer base is. It's not going to be that high. And realistically, you got to find another place that has a suitable ballpark you have to do months worth of marketing work there. Someone's going to have to pay for that marketing. And assuming that like the city tourism board isn't going to front all of it, it's probably going to come from the league, which is probably going to come from a league fund, which is going to be, you know, pooled from ownership groups. They're probably not keen on throwing money on marketing an event. They're probably not going to see money from. And if they do, mm-hmm. it's going to, almost certainly not be what they invested in so it's just lost cause money all in the hope of maybe boosting up a market that they're not going to be in and they're not going to see any money from outside of perhaps an expansion fee so a one-time benefit so and even further than that it's the simple things like okay but now you need to pay staff like who's the staff then who does the planning of the weekend who does the like because you also need to like have people local there to do that. And assuming you're going to a new market, it's probably they don't have that infrastructure. They don't have a front office. They don't have the hotel connections and all and the you know ticket sales connections and all that stuff. So you got to use league employees, and, like league employees or team employees. But like team employees are busy. League employees are very few. Every league all the way to the top has less employees than you'd ever really think. Um, it's it just yeah, it's it, it was an intriguing idea. But I was like, oh. Mm, Hope that doesn't catch on as a popular refrain because that's yeah it, it like, feels good until you think on it and you're like oh wait a minute exactly and like it'd be one thing if it was like a venue say like Cooperstown where it's like okay yeah we could probably do like a one or two game off series here and you could do something creative with it to make it work because you're always going to have a steady supply of people coming in. And you can partner with the Hall of Fame to make it work. And they're probably going to be, you know, more likely to give you more resources. And you can dedicate one or two league employees to that. 
or, you know, kind of sync up with stuff. There's less to work out there. But even still, it's like, it's a tough one there. So, yeah, it just feels and like. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I, I didn't really have much to add there. So. I was going to say the hardest truth of it all is if it was a market that could randomly support another league's all-star game without having any investment in it, they'd already have a team. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bummer way to end that, but the whole thing was taking a tower turn. Yeah. yeah Which brings us back to the nice idea, idea. Yeah. Of just like, are you better off just having like your league's all-stars play like the Savannah bananas or something? Yeah, dude. Maybe. Like, maybe. Because you know Savannah's going to draw. Yeah, you're going to have to pay your due to the bananas to have them there. But, like, you know, it's great marketing for the league. And it feels like if you give the league resources, especially like a forward thinking league, they could really partner with them and create some sort of very special event that could really catch fire and really help out the league and. You know, the bananas doing their thing, they're always going to be, you know, self-sustaining. So, you know, it feels like that's maybe a better way. That being said, I do trust markets like KC to do it right and have a better outcome just because their ownership as a whole seems to do a generally good job in all the other areas. So they don't give me any reason to doubt them outside of, you know, the mm-hmm. inherent struggles of the predicament. Yeah, that's fair. So. Yeah, um, I hope they do well. I, I think they have a, they have a shot. It's just we'll, we'll see what they they're gonna have to get a little little creative. That's all. Yeah. So on that note, uh, let's go over to the schedule because that came up for the American Association as well. Typical hundred game schedule starts May 9th and September second. Some typical Labor Day end date. East and West divisions remain unchanged. That's all the same. Playoffs remain unchanged. And the playoff dates will be starting September the 4th. And they will run roughly 10 days, give or take, depending on how everything, you know, shakes out in series go to distance and whatnot. They also boasted that the average game time was two hours and 43 minutes last year, a 30 minute decrease from the year prior, which is a notable drop off and one that I think is mm-hmm. generally a positive. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Actually, even a little bit more than I've thought. Um, I, I'll say I did notice that the, yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, but I would posit that the American Association had much, not much, significantly, uh, which so give that maybe five to 10 minutes faster games on average than the Atlantic League last year. And that was the Atlantic League. I just noticed they were pretty light on how they enforced the pitch clock in a lot of games. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. That's good. It's a good. <laughs> I think uh, <clears throat> it, it is a little interesting, and this isn't necessarily hate. It's just a, a note, and maybe something we all need to keep in mind as things play out. Um, you know, in the future, and similar things happen. That uh, the American Association is quick to jump on the Atlantic League and their experimental rules and say, "Oh well, here," and they they would love to roll out that we play to win, which is if you don't know that that's kind of started around when the Atlantic League. Um, this game, they're like kind of guinea pig league yeah. uh, reputation and their tester league uh, sort of criticisms. And now to be bragging about those very same rule changes that were tested in the Atlantic League does 
raise my eyebrow a little bit. Like, uh, hey, man, we haven't forgotten. Uh, but I mean, look, brag about what you can brag about to sell your tickets. I feel you. But uh, I do think maybe we should keep it in mind next time that we're jumping on top of an idea uh, that, you know, maybe we need to be a little patient with it because it might come around. And by we, I mean everybody involved, us, them, everybody. That's all. I'm not going to lecture anyone. I'm just saying. We forget. We, we didn't forget. That happened. I'm just saying. Why are you lecturing us? I'm not. Don't put I'm your not. Catholic guilt on us. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You're doing fine, man. No, no. No, it's no big deal. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The more you it's say it's good. fine, the less fine I mean, it is. I mean, I'll never I'll never forget it, but that's okay. I can forgive it, at least. I can find out myself to forgive it. How's that? Is that very good? Let's move over back to the schedule time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, it's 50 minutes in where I decide, yes, let's keep it rolling. Weird. <laughs> Overall, typical schedule. I don't think there's all too much to really be uh, crazy about. I don't think there's any too uh, extreme mm-hmm. things. They did bring up yeah, a nice no, graphic, no. so that's cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. So. It's so funny. I, I, I also noted that as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I just like that we had a competent schedule get made up. I'm just happy about that. Yeah. We're not talking about weird-ass travel. Like, I didn't do I didn't do a deep dive into it, though I will say there wasn't as much weird travel in the Atlantic being scheduled this year. It's definitely an improvement. So let's give them credit on that. We went from a C minus to a C plus. Getting better. I'll take it. Hey, you still can graduate on time. Seeds get degrees. But- hey, man, if only. What I would have given. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have like gotten up on time or ate well or drank less or, you know, worked less or gone and you know actually do what i was supposed to do but <clears throat> yeah yeah what i would have given them uh shoot what do we got next one man we got the atlantic league so i remember yeah. we went through this and i remember we were going to say the silver anniversary team which the atlantic league does not publicize anymore was going to be the thing in the middle i just forget what was coming before it and after it and the reason why i forget that is because there's still a piece of american association news that i have written way off into the corner because i was wondering yeah <laughs> Don't think I forgot about you, Winnipeg. Gold Eyes, they're renaming their ballpark. Shaw Park is now Blue Cross Park. It's a 10-year contract. It's Manitoba Blue Cross. I think it's the insurance company. That's all there really is to it. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey, money coming in is a good thing. Exactly. So I think some people in Winnipeg were upset about it, but yeah. um, I don't really know yeah. why you care. Yeah. What? Like, you went from one corporate sponsor to another. Like, admittedly, Shaw Park sounds better because you can kind of pass off as not a corporate thing. But, like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, at least you're getting... Someone's putting money into it other than the fans with, like, their, you know, what they're paying for tickets and food and all that. Like, the optimistic take is, you know, is keeping the organization healthy without having to charge the fans completely to do it. So that brings us now back to the Atlantic League. I think it's the Silver Anniversary team. Sure. I don't really know, but I think it is. So, two new Silver Anniversary team members. There's six spots left. 
We'll run through the full team at the very end of this segment, but let's first talk about the two new members, which are Telvin Nash and Isaiah Stahada. So, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm just pulling up the uh, baseball reference pages. Um, I, I both mashers. I mean, yeah. hard to argue either of these. I mean, I, I think during 2020, I did something similar to this, and I, I had both them as well. I um, let's try and look at Telvin's games played numbers, but like he played a lot, man. Yeah. Like. Do you have the stat line in front of you from like the article or anything? I have some things. There really wasn't oh, too good. much there. I mean, it was like three paragraphs long. Because like I said, they I mean, have I got it. too. Yeah. Uh, I'm a pretty good estimate here. I mean, yeah, Tejada's what, top 15 all-time like, Just under 500 it. games. Yeah. Yeah. And, Kelvin, and, I mean, what? He had about 124 home or something like that. Yeah, 124. He's fifth all-time. Yeah, man. And he has the Tejada also had a 28 game on base streak in 2016. And Nash has the single season extra base hit record with 77 that was got in 2019. Yeah, man. Um, Miss Ponte Tejada's total. Um, Wow. Yeah. In 2016, when you say it like that, you're like, yeah, man, he's been here for most of a decade here. Um, Which is crazy how long that's been, but. I know. Was he three ten? Really? That's hanging out as the the record. I guess. Yeah, I guess I could see it. Yeah. Hard to maintain that, especially like number of talented guys who kind of wind down as yeah. they're in the league. Um, I, I mean, again, this is another one, almost like the. No, it's another one where I don't have a ton to say because I just agree with it. I'm like, yeah, they yeah. they belong there. Just like it's kind of crazy that how much we've really forgotten about this team. Like that's really what my takeaway is. Like we gave them credit for this in the very beginning. Like this is a really good idea, and now we're nearly a year later, and it's like we still haven't finished this. Like come on, guys, let's get it together. Yeah, that's it's frustrating. Yeah, but I, I feel like I've been negative so far, and I'm, I'm trying not to be. So this is this is my effort to not be. All right. Well, I hope it's going well. You're getting a C. Any case. Um, I'll take a C then. Yeah. Um, any case, the, the roster looks like this. Tim Kane, John Bramnow, Mike Guyfoyle, John Hutton, Lincoln Michelson, Dwayne Pollock, Jim Edwarden, Corey Thurman, Blake Galen, Francisco Morales, Luis Rodriguez, Josh Presley, Jeff Nettles, Ray Navarrete, Victor Rodriguez, Glenn Murray, now, the two guys we just added as well. That's where we're at. And we had theorized that we were missing Daryl Thompson on this list, correct? Yeah, and I think Lou Ford also got added, and they never mentioned it either. I think the Long Island, I think the Ducks went ahead and celebrated that, and then but they like did. never, it was never fully acknowledged, which is so weird, whatever. Yeah. And other team getting sold news, do we have any other updates on that front? Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, there's been rumors about Lexington selling again. Um, it, it seems this week, those rumors really heated up a bit, um, to the point that I'm hearing there's multiple potential buyers with one sort of being very close to yeah, further in the process than the other. Uh, and the, uh, I'm trying to find the, the prevailing thought process and, and belief being that. Uh, more likely, legends will be sold again by the new year. Okay. Um, 
that that date's a little flexible, but this one from like the rumor is that there's um, negotiating going on to me being able to be like, yeah, like there's negotiating going on right now. They're the ownership is looking to sell and move on from like after a year, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so that's your update. They're definitely it's definitely in the works now, which uh, I don't know how to feel about it necessarily, but. I guess it's again at this. I don't think it was surprising even before the rumors, and with all the rumors we've heard, it's even less surprising. But uh, I just I, we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to talk about it to death. But just would love for a good result here for for Lexington, for the people, Lexington, not really for the organization. That's on them. They they dug that grave. Yeah, it just it's never a good sign. We keep seeing teams getting flipped that quickly afterwards because you know it's not being flipped for profit it's getting flipped for the wrong reasons so it, you hope new ownership comes in with a better plan and at least now a blueprint of what didn't work so that way they could avoid doing that and hopefully try something new and get creative and i guess at a certain point depending on the price you get it for realistically it kind of frees you up to kind of try new things and different things because already you got some savings on the buy-in price yeah, and so from what I'm hearing, um, the sale to this current owner was for about $5 million, which as a side note is fascinating because if I recall, and if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like Brandon Phillips offered Andy Shea, well, uh, something, I don't know the exact number on that, but uh, from what was reported, Andy Shea then requested were countered with a, you know, basically an exorbitant amount of money, like far more than the five million that he ended up selling it for. So that's interesting to hear that, you know, one price for Brandon Phillips, who was the co-owner at the time, would be the offer, and then he ends up accept, accepting something from someone else that's much lower. Something to keep in mind. So when all these numbers come around, there's obviously some weirdness to it, and who knows what else is going on in Lexington with that. Um, but now that we know the five million number, they've put some money into the stadium. Obviously, they've certainly taken a loss over the past year. Um, I would assume the team is still in a good bit of debt from the Andy Shea years. So yeah, I think it's going to be hard for him to flip that back just to break even the the current ownership. Mm. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on. And hey, I mean, if he just wears it and he's like, I got to take a loss and get the hell out of this thing because he knows. Come opening day, he's probably losing money again. That might be if you're trying to get a ball club for less than the going rate, especially if be in what is, I would say, still the top in the league. So if there's the positive spin on it, opportunity for the right person. It certainly is. So might as well take the chance if you can. Now, I do wonder, like, Brandon wouldn't want that again, right? Like, he's moved on past this. Uh, I think Brandon would want it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I, I would, I... I would think Brandon would want it. I would also think that um, the team's original owner, uh, Alan Stein, yeah. also has had his uh, his name kicked around quite a bit by um, people who have been sort of keeping tabs on the situation. So I don't, while I've gotten all that confirmation, I have not gotten confirmation at who is the leading offer on this. I know it is not Brandon uh, with good certainty, but I... I can't tell you exactly who it is, whether it's Alan Stein or not, but I would be interested. I think Alan Stein is one of the few people who can probably pull this out. Honestly, I think Brandon is one of the other people. So I think 
if you're a Lexington baseball fan, you're looking for a silver lining. I think the silver lining is definitely that both the owners who have been rumored to be in negotiation or making an offer or wanting to make an offer for this team so far are guys that I think would be capable of actually turning this thing around, which is, I mean, a borderline miracle with how long the ship's been sinking. Mm. It's definitely something to watch for. A lot of change, yeah, a lot moving on, moving around there. Crazy so. offseason, dude. It is. It really has been. So, uh, on that note, why don't we take a look at the coaching carousel? Because off the field isn't the only thing going around. Because crazy also describes how much movement we've had as far as managerial hires. And it feels like this year, more than past years, we're seeing a lot of change in that realm. I, I agree. I don't know if it's just in my head or if it's actually the way things have been. I mean, I, I was even going to mention we've got the front office movement, too, because um, it, it's been confirmed Brady Salisbury is also out. He's baseball operations for Gastonia. Um, he, I mean, that's a big one. That's like actually yeah. like a seismic shift within the league because if for those who, who haven't checked the full Gastonia thing, they were 54 and 66 with some severe issues their first season. Um, that's a 450 winning percentage. And then once Brady came in uh, and did two years with their baseball operations, uh, putting the team together and helping run things, over that span, they went 167 and 91, good for a 647 win percentage. So it's an improvement from a 450 to a 647. And I believe right now, by winning percentage, they're the winningest franchise in Atlantic history, which is crazy considering that below 500 first season. So that, that speaks to just how good Brady is. And he's available. Sounds like he's going to be looking at indie ball. So, hey, if you're looking for baseball operations, that might be the catch of the year right there. There's a lot of organizations that could really use him, too, to really pick up, mm-hmm. especially, yeah. like, newer teams. Like, this is the opportunity. Like, I'm not even going to throw it out there as a connection thing, but, man, if, like, you're Brockton, like, are you not at the very least, like, hey, what do you think you could do in the Frontier League? Like, are you not very like, interested in that? Get that off the bat. Yeah, and and we what we've heard about Brockton's. They have a pretty tight budget. I mean, Brady knows how to operate a tight budget. That's for sure. Yeah, actually, give him real money to pay people with. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I know what would happen. Really? Maybe the league won't have to pay him. I know. Man, that'd be crazy. What a world! Really. On that vein, in the Atlantic League, do we have anything else going on there, popping off there, uh, coaching-wise? Um, uh, yeah, man, I would say so. So uh, if we just want to sort of look through, the coaching carousel is still pretty crazy right now. Yeah. Um, across all the leagues, we've got nine open jobs. But just looking at this, it occurred to me, we got four open jobs out of the 10 Atlantic League teams, and mm-hmm. five of the 10 managers of Atlantic League teams last year are not returning. So there's been a lot of shaking up in the Atlantic League. Um, I guess to do the quick recap there, we've still got no real movement, I would say, but um, Charleston's already announced that they're moving on from Billy Horn. Um, the we'll, we'll get back to that job opening in Charleston, but it is still open. Um, it's uh, Goose has left uh, out of Gastonia, so Gastonia also does have a manager as well as baseball operations. Lexington, um, there's been no official confirmation, but from what I'm hearing, Barry Lyons is not coming back, which you would also assume with uh, his nephew selling the team. Uh, Wally, of course, out in Long Island, they have not uh, announced any replacement. And uh, we also haven't gotten confirmation that Homer Bush is still staying around. Um, I would assume he is because he had a great year, but they haven't said anything. But 
leaving it to Staten Island's communication is not always the best. So, yeah, uh, and then I of course the other one floating out there is Mike Minakazi, who was, uh, or Mark Minakazi, who was uh, managing in Spire City last year, and they are now on hiatus. So he would be the fifth puzzle piece of managers who are now returning. So yeah, man. So really, who's still around here? So Jamie Keith still has a job, and yes. Ross in Lancaster. Yep. Uh, Stan. Stan, in, Southern, in Maryland. Southern Maryland. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Hagerstown is still hiring as well. So yeah. No uh, Rick in so, York is still doing good. They have 10 teams and five openings currently and one unconfirmed. So, yeah, Rick is still in York. Crazy. So, Crazy. So, there's a lot going on there and there's not too much cooking on any of those fronts. So, that's the situation. No, it's, the weird thing. it's been really quiet. Yeah, which is very I mean, odd this about, year. Long Island seems to be, you know, targeting MLB names um, just based on who they haven't interviewed and who what they've said or have been rumored to say. Um, David Ross, again, we'll you talk. are a Long Island duck. <laughs> um, who knows what Lexington's going on? There's most of rumors around that. I think it depends on how its ownership thing shakes out. Um, and then Gastonia, I mean, yeah, I think... Speaking about ownership, I think we nobody can really make a move for Gastonia until they know what's going on with ownership there too. So a lot of things on hold right now down in the Atlantic League. Gastonia is at the point where their manager is just going to be an intern. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> like it, it is giving me like late Andy Shea Lexington vibes, where like during the year it's just like less and less full time employees and just being run by whoever shows up. But in fairness, though, if you're an intern, that's a hell of a position to be in. Quite a resume builder. Yeah. It's a Pecos League energy. That's for sure. Andy Shea would dominate the Pecos League with an iron fist. <laughs> now, talk about two two team owners who are really, uh, you know, have a unique, unique, um, I don't even know how to find the word, a unique vibe. There we go. They have some interesting energy. I think Ethan Ivy. Ethan, he's um, he had a podcast going for uh, in the Pecos League covering uh, the Alpine Cowboys. Yeah, I remember and this. We talked about doing their baseball operations. Yeah. yeah, and if I recall, he basically did. He showed up as their intern, also was around their baseball operations. That, that might have been not the full story, but he's uh, that, that's basically the energy. So yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking on the Pecos League comparison. Oh my god. Uh, all right, let's go to a different league, one that maybe doesn't have as many openings. Let's go to the American Association, where I think we've had probably the biggest hire so far of the offseason made this week, which is also probably the most obvious of hires made this week. You know, it's uh, Pete and Cavillia going to Cleburne. We've been saying this since Pete left uh, left Tri-City, that he'd be going there. He brings uh, Brooks Carey with him. He brings Rudy Yarmillo. Uh, Cleburne as well. Rudy being a longtime MLB hitting coach with Houston, Texas, and the Chicago Cubs. Brooks, you know, just been around indie ball for a while. He also, you know, we thought was going to be a major player in the uh, Tri-City job. Maybe he'd go and manage there, but clearly that option's off the table now too. So, yeah, we got that as a big hire there. We have I don't think too many other openings. We know Brett Jody's going to be back in Lincoln, which I think more complicates things for openings on the East Coast more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I know personally, I've always thought of him more as an East Coast kind of guy, the kind of dude that 
if the opportunity were to be right, you'd like to go back out east. I don't know that. I just get the kind of sense. Um, overall, though, the American Association seems to be a lot more stable in there. We know Barone's going to be back. We know Montgomery's pretty much a lock to come back. Same thing with Myers. He signed his extension. We know Watkins in Winnipeg, Coast in Fargo. Then, realistically, Dockhounds, I don't think, are making any changes either. Hobson, as long as he's back in Chicago, that should be good. Lamar Rogers, all signs point to him returning to Gary. So you go through everybody, and now with Cleveland sorting it out, I don't think there's any other openings in that league. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I'm looking at the Brett Jody thing. Um, we'll talk TJ Stanton, I'm sure, in the, when we get the frontier. Yep. I would say I, this might be common sense. I don't know what's common sense for you, what's not, so I'll just put it out there. Keep in mind, just for the sake of you know what's around the bend and what could come up next year and what the season might hold, typically, if a manager is being re-signed right now, um, one or more parties was not fully in on that idea. Mm. Somebody tried to improve their lot, and it didn't happen, uh, or at least there was a sticking point negotiation. It's just, we're, I think we're officially at that point where uh it's a little it's a little late like i i know i i would suspect that brett jody was looking at some of these east coast jobs and it just it wasn't he didn't find anything that fit no i don't know what tj was doing i don't know but that would just be i know the boulders vibe it doesn't seem the most desirable position so i could see that i mean it just keep it in mind. And I'm only saying that not to stir anything up. I'm just saying because that is going to be a plot line moving forward when it comes to who's going where next year even and how, you know, how fast does the hot seat get hot depending on how the season's going. I do wonder Excuse too, though. If, yeah. <laughs> I wonder though with Brett Jody re-upping there if that helps sort out Stanton Island. Because if you view Jody as like an Atlantic League or bus type, then that kind of tells me like, okay, then... Homer's probably safer if Jody didn't work out because he seems like one of the better candidates you'd have for an Atlantic Lake club. Uh, yeah. No, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I'm. If you asked me two weeks ago whether I thought Homer was going to be back, I would have said he should be, but I don't think he will be. I think now I'm leaning toward he will be. Uh, again, this is all just trying to like navigate through the silence from them and honestly a couple of rumors of managers talking to Staten Island that doesn't mean anything was legitimately happening in those conversations that could just mean they hit them up and asked if they're looking and they said no so I'm not saying that Staten Island has been doing anything don't misconstrue that um, I, I'm, I'm doing all I can to make sure I don't accidentally put someone like Homer Bush in a weird spot because he is good for <clears throat> sorry he is very good for league and he's I think very good at his job so um, he doesn't deserve to be <laughs> you know yeah, but having them spot. look yeah. around, and I don't. So I do not have anything to say. They are. It's just. It's just weird that nothing's been said. That is the only reason why there's a question mark there. Mm. So that basically does it on the uh, American Association front. We'll go to the last league that really has some major movement. Obviously, the Pioneer League has a lot that's got to get sorted out. Still, there's some openings there, or at least some question marks, but no real movement on that front, so we'll leave them alone for the week. Frontier League, though, has a lot there. TJ got mentioned earlier, because earlier this week it was confirmed he will return for year four in New York. 
winning record there, about 22 games above 500 with a playoff berth in his past three years. So overall been good for the boulders, certainly there. Uh, makes sense. It's like really the logical successor for Jamie Keefe after all Jamie did there. Uh, obviously we had the one year, uh, again, not the obviously we had the one year with Kevin mm-hmm. Bias, which was forgettable. Um, so, you know, TJ's kind of filled in there. He was a contender, I think, or at least should have been a contender for Tri City. That didn't work out. So, Tri City being a giant hole still, New England being a hole still which we should probably be getting some clarity as to what their name's going to be probably this week or the week after, no? Right, yeah. yeah so we'll be able to dive into that next week. Um, but, yeah, so there's some other openings there, too. There's some other question marks. I know we have a New Jersey update on that. Presumably, Joliet's going to be looking for a new manager as well with new ownership. Already, Schlereth was leaning towards not returning, and now I think it's all but official he won't return. Uh, I think talk to a person or two and they kind of seem to tell me like you don't expect to say Schleier from the dugout so that would be one there uh yeah there's some other openings but we'll go through all that in time yeah I mean we're still trying to figure out the tri-state situation of course um but I mean beyond that nothing has been officially said but I'm hearing from basically everyone you can possibly hear from that PJ Phillips is not returning to New Jersey don't know what New Jersey's plan is. Um, I know they're cutting down budget, and that seems to be relevant. Um, but how the could they cut down budget? I thought they were doing I well. I thought they were doing great, man. I don't know. I blame the fans, that's for sure. Um, if they don't want to I, come to uh, Patterson, you know, that's an indictment on them. That's on them as people. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Right now, the mo- perhaps the most interesting thing going is that, it, I mean, people are saying this is done. I can confirm it's not done. Many are um, saying this. Many, literally, yeah, this is like the most talked about rumor I'm hearing, <laughs> which is funny uh, because I'm also close enough to multiple sources that can confirm right now mm-hmm. um, that PJ... Phillips is the lead candidate on the Charleston job. Um, that's an interesting, odd couple there, since those who have been around, uh, those of you who have been around might remember that things did not end well last time between uh, PJ Phillips and Andy Shea in Charleston, except that was in Lexington at the time. Um, I would say my official recommendation is that nobody should work for Andy Shea, but I'm sure someday nobody will because he can't support a business. And that's that. And yes, that was salty Ryan. That was that was unprofessional, non-journalist Ryan. But the facts of it were good, so we'll leave it. Well then, any case, yeah, it is interesting that PJ would go there. <laughs> in any case, <laughs> <laughs> nice transition. <laughs> I just put you in a weird spot and to go. Well, let's see. I nick it out that one. I'm done here. I think I'm done talking. <laughs> Honestly, the problem was like I was half in and half out on listening, so I was just like, well, any event. <laughs> And there's a pause, and you're like, oh, shoot, I guess I'm on. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I got to stop looking at my so fantasy good. team. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, we are terrible. Uh, okay. I'm just proud of us. We're keeping this under two hours. So, Yeah, go team. Yeah, so we're terrible, but we're efficient. Um, hey, that's all I can ask for. That's something we're never Ladies. really, but okay. Um, yeah, in any case, it is odd. 
that PJ would consider. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that speaks more to the market than anything else. And not necessarily for PJ, but just the general market as a whole, we thought was going to yeah. be a lot more different than it really was. And I think the like the problem with it is, I think things have changed significantly where ownership has not adjusted their expectations to the reality of the, you know, back to normal world because they're used to the not normal world. And so they want to get better, but they don't want to pay the cost to get better. And they'd rather just be like, eh, let's roll the dice. I'm, you know, being shitty. So it sucks for the talented people that can build a roster. And especially now, given the frontier league situation, it's a matter of like, okay, do I want to stifle my ambition or do I want to, you know, seek it out elsewhere, but then have to compete with a whole different group of people, right? So it just is a very difficult spot to be in. So I get just saying like, okay, I don't want to play with the Frontier League rules and the American Association's its own animal. And there's not even really like there's any openings there to begin with. So you take what you can get with the Atlantic League and if Charleston's what you can get, I mean, like, we know there's five openings there, but, like, what's the deal with Hagerstown? We don't know. Question mark on Stan Island. You just avoid the current tire fire that's going on in Gastonia. And now all of a sudden we quickly rolled out a lot. I mean, there's Long Island, but then there comes with the Long Island Incorporated with it. You know, there's the way they do things, and it's kind of get on board with it. You can run your team, but you're going to run it, you know, with our purview, which, you know, I don't know if PJ really is game for that. Um, but really start looking around, and it's like, okay, well, there's not too much else here. So given all my choices, it's like, I'll go there. I think it's also kind of interesting, and I, I gather Charleston hasn't been a great team, but I'm kind of surprised Billy's not finding a spot to go. And I do think that there are some frontier league openings, which he should be considered for, because I think he's a good face for a young team. So I do. I mean, it's, it's definitely something, it's a weird market, because if you look at the managers currently looking for jobs, right? And so you got Billy, who has a great reputation and it was just two seasons ago when he got brought into Charleston and everyone was like brilliant no notes that's the guy like the guy who for years we were like he's got to be a manager somewhere soon um and then Goose who he's he just took Estonia two straight playoff uh runs yeah uh Wally obviously that's a whole different conversation um but I mean to have him after all those years of you know I mean, I guess the Ducks would argue he didn't have that much success, but I'm kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. you care about it. Uh, I think some situation. other teams would say they would have traded uh, a good bit for that kind of success. Yeah. And, um, and then PJ, like, who has made a playoff a championship run, won a championship in the Atlantic League a couple years ago, uh, made a playoff run with the Mass in New Jersey this year. Um, you know, seems to be good with players, always puts together a hell of a roster. Like, these guys can't and Mark Minicotti, by the way, who he's had some despite some tough deals. I mean, nearly took the genomes to the playoffs, took the Dirty Birds to the playoffs the first year that he was there. Um, you know, fought the fight with Spire City this year, but just was outgunned. Like it's you know, there's some great good managers and not just ones who have had success like at the Pioneer or Frontier League level, no shade. It's just like these are Atlantic League managers and they can't find Atlantic spots. It's it's really weird, man. Yeah, it just 
it, I think it just speaks a lot to the market here. And it, it almost is a situation now where both because of price and just overall the realm or the circumstances around a team, the job that comes with it, limit the talented guys from wanting to take those spots because you know there's just no succeeding there. But there's also still an abundance of talent out there that should be doing it and could be doing it. And I almost wonder, at least because you don't have enough guys like going to that next level, you know, like it'd be nice to see some of these managers get jobs in affiliated ball, which would open up these spots and allow other guys to take them. You know, obviously it's not perfect one for one managing an affiliated ball is a whole hell of a lot different than managing an indie ball, especially because a lot of times you're just taking orders from above. And a lot of guys that are here managing are like, I don't do that. Because I could just ima- imagine the fun of someone telling Pete and Cavalier how to manage his team. Imagine how much fun that yeah, would be. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Yeah, I'd love to watch that. But, you know, still, I there needs to be some way to resolve that. Whether that's by just organizations kind of like improving themselves to get those guys. Or if it's by expanding. Or if it's just by kind of like whittling out the field. So, whatever it is, needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, and put yourself in the foot, the, the, the shoes of a manager who's one, had some success and two, you know, wants to compete. Um, first of all, a lot of managers, affiliate ball is a weird challenge that doesn't really fit them. Like personally yeah. speaking, like I'm somebody who I know someday I want to be back in baseball operations doing that full time as a job. I don't even look at minor league affiliated ball. Why would you like, yeah. that's not roster building. It's none of the things that you like to have hands on um, with how much is taken out of a manager's hand at the minor league level. Uh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm an old head or if I'm a guy who just loves the ma- like managing baseball. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm looking really at anything. I don't know that I'm into it. You, you know, yeah. if you're offered something, you're offered something, of course, but so that's a unique challenge that you're looking at. Um, yeah. I mean, like, look at a guy like Greg Taggart. Is. Yeah. You want, I mean, you want an organization that is, uh, will compete or at least will allow you to compete, even if they're not competitive right now, uh, isn't financially stable and it is a healthy enough environment where you know that when you say something to a guy, when you make him a promise, that the organization will allow you to follow through with it. Um, that when you say, yeah, you'll, you'll be here for this or we'll be able to do this for you. Uh, or, I mean, and we're talking common things like we will have an apartment for you. They yeah. can consistently deliver. Um, it's it's just hard to find right now, which is really a shame. And, and it asks some questions of our, where we are as, as indie ball. But mm. there's some organizations doing it right. This isn't an indictment, but it is sort of, this should all be a warning sign. That I, there are ma- multiple very good managers who I think are close to walking away because indie ball is not giving them a home and a home where they can actually thrive and do what they're they're good at and it is a shame because like that's the appeal of indie ball is just kind of being able to say i'm here to win games and like especially for mm-hmm. a manager it really is just like i'm here to win games because a lot of the guys like you said either they don't want to or they're just not going to go to affiliated ball and unlike with players you don't have to worry about trying to do certain things that scouts want to see you just have to worry about win the game like that's your goal is Build the best roster yeah. you have with the constraints you have and win. Like for them, it truly is like the purest definition of win the game. Like 
just play the games and win them. So to have people walk away from it that really shouldn't be is tough. And I mean, even for a lot of these guys, like you're asking an awful lot of them to swallow their pride and take like not only just a pay cut, but just like the cut of going from a manager that's a damn good manager or like a guy that's very capable of it to going back to being like a, a bench coach or a hitting coach or something like that. That's a lot. And even then, it would still cut off opportunities for other guys that are, you know, young and up and coming and, and want to get into coaching and want to do that. So it really sucks every which way you cut it that, you know, you're stifling opportunities here because, you know, it's there's just no circumstance around that allows you to do it. And, like, you get what you get, but at the same point in time, like, there's only so many opportunities that realistically are real opportunities. Yeah, and there's only so many talented people who are willing to take the grind, and I, I worry that we're about to lose some of them because of the way the industry is currently constructed. And hopefully, it is a temporary setup. But I still worry that by the time we kind of have a direction and everything is moving smoothly as it should, it's going to be too late for a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people to make indie ball better. It sucks. Yeah, then also you wonder about the pipeline too going in, where more and more you see, you know, talented people kind of wash up because they just don't have a place. How many more mm-hmm. times are people going to go in and take that chance here? You know, because for every success story, you know, it creates more success stories. You you see the opportunity spread, and when there's just less of them, you're not really creating an environment that encourages that. Yeah, you're right. So. Bit of a dour way to end that subject matter and that topic. Yeah, damn, my bad. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> hey, it's still good nonetheless. So, um, Pioneer League, I said we really weren't going to do it. I don't think we really have any notes on Pioneer League. Still waiting to hear uh, back from basically quick everybody. Scroll. Yeah, I mean, I'll do the double check, but I think yeah. we're in a holding pattern. Yeah, it's, I mean, the open, the only open job we're seeing right now is Ogden. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, cause Cash retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so everything else is sealed up. We think. I, I mean, some of those are because we haven't seen anything announced, which the Pioneer League kind of moves quietly sometimes. So who knows? But that is at least the best for knowledge what we got going on. They wait for their moment to strike, as it were. So, yeah, you know, you know how it goes out in the mountains, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we are about an hour and a half in. We could either end it here or. We could talk about hockey games. It is your call? I'm feeling next week for hockey. I'm. Right. I've been watching some. I'm trying to get around those teams that's still on the list right now. I, I mean, I watched the Sharks get get punched in the wiener two days in a row. That was crazy. Um, honestly, made me like them more. Um, hey, they got watched, the win against the Flyers too. Hey, you know, which also made me like the Flyers more. Um, <laughs> There's a good chance this does come down to whichever team is fighting more, but okay. I'm going to try to go a little bit better than that. And that's not the only thing I'm watching, trying to watch them this late night hockey. Out of the list of Oilers, Panthers, Freds, Flyers, and Sharks, who have you not watched yet? Panthers. Okay. And, um, Panthers. I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of everything else. So you've seen the Preds, you've seen the Sharks, you've seen the Oilers, and you've seen the Flyers. I haven't seen much of the Oilers. That was the other one where I'm like, eh. But, well, I mean, I kind of know what the Oilers have got one. 
Yeah. That, so, yeah. Nothing really positive here. Let's see. I just want to see here. I'm going to click the Preds real okay. quick here and see <laughs> if uh, they play the Oilers anytime soon for the sake of ease for you here. And any sort of extra here, I could just cut real quick. But It's always like they play in seven months. Yeah, great. Great, great, great. Yeah, let's see here. Um, not anytime soon, it doesn't look like. They play January 27th at 4 o'clock Yay. in the afternoon. So well, I guess I'll wait. <laughs> I guess I'll wait. Uh, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I think next week I'll probably have a better feel. I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like there was negativity again in this episode, which is really what I'm not trying to do. Um, let's. I'm positively looking forward to before we go yeah i am positively looking forward to um one starting to see whatever new england does with their name which will yeah. be great uh hopefully or it's going to be a total garbage fire which is going to be funny so they pick more uh, easters I, and I then love, you go i love some very indie ball chaos um i am for the also, Easters. that's all i'm saying yeah right <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and all that positivity is gone just like that i know right i was trying my best but i'm also looking forward to doing some fun stuff with you i feel like we're both in our stride i've got most of my off season and early season sketched out with some fun trips to do some content with some teams so i mm -hmm. think it's gonna be a fun year my man it's gonna be good you know, and I think next week is, yep, it is the last show before Thanksgiving. So we could all, we could just go through things we're thankful for for each team. Oh, dude. Yeah. As sticky as that is, it is optimism. optimism week. Let's go. All positive. Who, who's now, dad, you idiot. <laughs> Kidding. My dad's great. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. I can see it now. You're, you're all excited. It's going to be optimistic. What are you thankful for for New Jersey? Giving me plenty of content. I mean, I would still say very thankful for they have a new person running the show. And there you go. See, I can be positive. What are you thankful for with with Lexington? Uh, uh, it sounds like they're gonna have a new person running the show. Keep going. I can. Do, you're in a hot zone for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I say Gastonia, but I mean like. Hey, dude, uh, maybe. That's the, that's the question mark. That's worth discussing, by the way. I'm going to do a little more digging into that. Um, literally tonight, actually. Uh, and hopefully well, uh, this morning, technically. Oh, jeez. That's a tough scene. <laughs> luckily, luckily, my friends don't sleep because not like they're fun. It's just we're all mentally ill someday. <laughs> and that's why we're here. Oh, God. Millennials and their mentally ill states. Yeah, it, when you have a whole crew of people who like the moment somebody mentions like Noah Khan's music, they're all like, oh yeah, I listen to him all the time. You know you're dealing with a crew of people who aren't well. You know, it's a problem. As soon as you said Noah Khan, I was like, oh yeah, I meant to mention to him this week. I started listening to Noah Khan. I was like, I really like his music. Man, I was just at a concert this week, and I don't know if this is even in the show anymore, but if, if it is, yeah. if you want... I, I'm a sucker for a baseball song. Okay. And um, I saw Petey this week. P E T E Y. He's actually okay. he shows on TikTok, which is funny. He like, which isn't the vibe. He's Ew, like TikTok. He's like TikTok viral, but like his his main music base is like 35 year olds who listen to punk rock, <laughs> and uh, really great music. Why does but, this feel yeah, like he a is, Stefan bit from SNL? It, it has TikTok. It has 35 year olds. It has everything. <laughs> 
but he is a couple great ones. He's got like a song like he's a huge Cubs fan. But he's the one like pitch. It's called, like pitch a fit, which is all about like uh, pitch like everyone you're freaking out at like basically the pace of a pitcher who's like got a cab outside the ballpark with the meter on and uh like that's the refrain which is funny as hell and then he has a more to life than baseball is the other one which is like i mean talking it's got like some really niche like baseball lyrics it's like uh what's the one it was oh yeah we were young and in love we were in the backyard uh i was pitching for the cubs i was Kerry wood you were batting adam dunn you were born in ohio i think you still have some family there it's like such a good weird baseball line like that's so oddly specific to pepper into like a punk album but it's a vibe and if you're looking for music recommendation pd's energy is fantastic he's genuinely a very nice person so it's a good feel to summarize that's a music we're just gonna start doing music uh, as this fades through like the the bulk of the off season so to summarize that clip new york's hottest club is called (laughs) p Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. oh, God. That's about right. To avoid going any deeper down the rabbit hole, I'm going to try to fill for time here while I see uh, not responding the screen that's now popped away. And I really don't know how much of this has been lost to not responding. I think it's surprisingly close to a minute. So we're going to find that out. And this is going to be one hell of an edit. But plug your stuff so we can leave. Not like everyone can hear this, but uh, Indie Ball Nation on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and we'll see. I'm doing my, uh, I'm redoing all my projection sheets. There's nothing exciting that people can see, but once that's done, I'll be putting out a bunch of new content that I've been stacking up over the past week or so, which is fun. So keep an eye on that. So on that note, Indie Ball Pod, we're on on Twitter, whatever the hell it's called this week, Indie Ball Forever else, and uh, next week we'll try to be more positive as I slowly choke to death. And uh, until next week, uh, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>